0: Welcome to Inside Medical Malpractice. My name is Chris Rokosh. I'm a registered nurse, legal consultant and educator, and the president of Connect Medical Legal Experts. Each month we'll be looking at the malpractice issues from different perspectives, featuring honest, candid, insightful interviews by people and professionals with a wealth of information to share. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now let's dive into this fascinating subject. Welcome back to Inside Medical Malpractice, and round two with Sonia Niger, a lawyer from Ninstein Personal Injury Firm in Toronto. Sonia was our guest in the third episode of a four-part series on trauma-informed lawyering. I'm telling you that that episode is brilliant and insightful and has some great information for everyone. If you haven't heard it, go back and have a listen. She's so articulate and so well-spoken and shares some personal insights into the work of a lawyer and a mother and a patient and just a general human being in how trauma in her workplace has affected her. But now we're here to talk about Sonia herself and find out a little bit about what makes her tick and ask her a few questions and get some answers. So thank you once again, Sonia, for being here.
1: Thank you for having me, Chris. It's a real pleasure.
0: Ah, Pleasure is all mine. So let's just start from the top. I have eight questions here, and I want you to just talk as much as you want to and tell me as much as you're comfortable telling me. What do you do when you're not busy working?
1: Uh, Well, I have a two and a half year old, which we talked a little bit about in the previous episode. So uh, most of my time, uh, as you know, (laughs) is spent uh, with him, which is which is a real joy. Um, we are actually originally from Edmonton, uh, from your home province, Alberta, and so uh, we've been in Toronto for the last, uh, you know, over a decade now. And but we still feel like we're exploring, you know, a new city. Toronto is so great for that, and it's a it's a wonderful place to be with a with a young child. So we're just. Out and about in the city, um, you know, we do a lot of uh, outdoor time as, as much as possible. Uh, I'm learning to embrace winter, which you would think is a lifelong Edmontonian I would have gotten the hang of, but haven't, unfortunately. And so... With a with a new baby, I, I made it my uh my mission and goal to embrace all four seasons and give him the opportunity to, you know, not develop a disdain for a cold like I have. <laughs> so we yeah, we're just just out and about and just spending time um with my husband and and our, our two and a half year old Max.
0: That sounds fun. And it's funny how kids don't seem to mind the cold, do they? Like we have two grandsons. we had two grandsons and we had them over on the weekend and they were just outside the whole time and tobogganing it would only come in and get fed and a little bit warmed up and have some hot chocolate and then just begging to out to, get to go out again. And I'm like,
1: No. I am convinced that it's just the cultural banter that we we start developing as we get older, like, Oh, it's really cold outside or like, Oh, you know, oh man, winter and oh it's so dark and not, and so, and then I'm, I'm convinced that that's what socializes us to, to believe that winter is no good, but yeah, no, kids just, they just don't care and it's great.
0: It is great. It's almost like having a dog, right? You just have to take them out every day. Like,
1: oh, <laughs> well,
0: that's good. And two and a half is such an adorable age, I think, right? It's so cute.
1: It's a great age where we're having, yeah, every, every stage brings something different with it. And uh, it's a great age. We're having a lot of
0: fun. Nice. I'm glad. So let's talk about you as a child. Tell us what you were like.
1: What was I like as a child? I was uh, very curious, which still tracks today. I was actually quite a serious child. Um, You know, I I was very like rules based and and just really... um, yeah, just really serious about things, very interested in learning, doing things by myself, independent, uh, as my parents would, uh, I think charitably call it. Um, I'm sure that made for difficult parenting <laughs> sometimes, but yeah, that's, that's what I was like. I was, um, really, really, uh, and I see this in my son a lot too now, which, um, both brings me pleasure and a little bit of worry, but he's just, he just is so interested in absolutely everything Like just wants to know how everything works. And, uh, I think lots of kids are like that. And, and he definitely is. And I, I definitely was too. And I think that's, that's led me to, um, you know, the kind of work that I do today, which is really kind of more investigative than anything. Uh, just trying to trying to fix things, you know? Um, yeah, that's, that's what I was like.
0: I I can kind of see that in you, a seriousness and a curiosity. Where are you and where are you in the mix of kids? Did you have siblings, and where do you fall in line? Yeah, I have an older brother
1: who is not much older, about uh, twenty months older, and um, he was a little more goofy and silly uh, than than I was. I actually think we've switched roles a little bit or personalities a little bit as we grew older. Uh, he's a physician, and. Um, and uh has you know has a level of seriousness to him that you would hope a physician would have uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah I I but I'm the youngest I'm the I'm the baby so I think um uh, there's always stereotypes about the baby and I don't know if I fit those, but
0: I know they exist. yeah, they do exist i'm I'm married to a baby, so I know they exist I know they do yeah <laughs> but that's good I, I bet you and your brother have lots to talk about, do you? The intersection of medical and legal?
1: Oh, he, he's it was like a, um, you know, a necessary thing for me to start my career, really. I was, I would be up late, like texting him about things and asking him to find medical things. And yeah, no, it's been, it's been really helpful. <laughs> I don't think as helpful to him, unfortunately, but um, as the older brother, I guess he's used to that.
0: Yeah, but I think for you to get information from him, and I, I think probably just, um, his exposure to you and the stuff you're working on will demystify a lot of it because a lot of healthcare workers are just petrified of the whole medical uh, medical legal realm, but no knowledge. I think so minimally, he'll be comfortable with the speech, the language, the processes, the, you know, if your, if your sister does it, you're going to know a little bit more about it than the general Joe, for sure. So three quick questions. Favorite food?
1: Oh, uh, hands down, my favorite food is dosa and sambar, which is a South Indian dish. I'm not South Indian. I'm actually North Indian, but um, but I don't think anything can beat dosa and sambar.
0: What are those two things? I don't even know dosa and sambar. Tell me.
1: So, yeah, so I think most Indian food that uh, has become popularized here is North Indian, actually. Uh, North Indian uh, dosa is a very, very thin, um, It almost looks like a crepe. It's like a crispy crepe made out of either lentils or um, rice, often lentils. And then sambar is just like a hearty kind of vegetable stew. I don't. I'm vegetarian, so Indian food agrees with me in that regard. Um, and it's just like it's just mixed with you know, all sorts of good, good Indian spices, and uh, it's very hearty and kind of salty and um, savory at the same time. It's it's delicious. There's there's some very good South Indian places in in Alberta and particularly in Calgary, you should check them out.
0: Yeah. I'll have to get those from you because I'm not a vegetarian, but I eat mostly vegetarian most of the time. And uh, we traveled through Southeast Asia last year. And even for breakfast, I was eating chickpea curries and naan and roti and all kinds of things. And I just got so addicted to it. Now, eggs and toast sound like so boring and oatmeal is just about to kill me. I want spice in the morning. I want (laughs) to give me some good food. So I'll get those names from you. How about fa- and do you make those dishes or do you go out and buy them?
1: I am uh, so I can cook North Indian cuisine. I would say like relatively well, um, not anywhere close to what you know my mom and and my aunts and and uh, grandma could could do, but relatively competent. And um, South Indian food is a little trickier, if particularly if it's not kind of what you grew up eating at home. Um, but it's not, it's, yeah, there's some really good, there's some really good cookbooks and some really good YouTube tutorials that just totally demystify Indian cooking. And I think the funny thing about Indian cooking is that it's so rich and delicious and savory and spicy that you think it's hard to make, but it's actually just the same ingredients over and over again in different ways. Um, so it's actually not too hard. I have milk dose at home, but you need kind of like the way you need a special oven to do naan. Um, really well, you need kind of like a particular setup to do good dosa. So it's more of a eating out type of thing.
0: At least you have a good place. I'm sure there's good, great places in Toronto to have that. I'm sure there are.
1: Yes. It has no, uh, yeah, no problem with, uh, with good food, that's for sure.
0: Um, how about second question, favorite TV show or Netflix series or whatever, what are you watching these days?
1: Oh, you know, these days I'm actually not watching a whole lot in between, uh, the parenting life and the lawyer life, but I would say my all-time, uh, show, my all-time favorite show is Breaking Bad, which I think is the most brilliant, uh, written show in the history of, of television, um, uh, my personal opinion. Um, I, yeah, I like, I like, I guess, distracts again by like kind of like the serious dark dramas. And I'm a little bit more into that. I know there's a huge trend in reality TV lately, um, all sorts of reality TV, and I just can't for the life of me get into it. Uh, I, I I feel like it would be good for me to just like, you know, be able to take joy in, in that kind of programming and it would be a good break from life. But Um, But no, I'm not, I'm not so into the reality TV, but I really like The Dark Draws. I actually, to to be, I guess, on theme, I think The Good Wife, which I don't know if you've ever seen, is just another top, top level TV show that that I love. And I, I, every time I look at it, I'm like, I wish I'd never seen it so that I could experience watching it again for the first time. It's so good. (laughs) It's so good. (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you still could. You could watch it again. About Breaking Breaking Bad, I think is one of the most popular of all time. So, but you know, um, when I ask Olivia that question, she watches something called Naked and Alone, and it's a reality TV where they just drop people out in the bush with no clothes. And I'm like, what the hell? I'm telling you,
1: reality TV taking us yes, by storm.
0: <laughs> yes, I'm thinking I just better check that out so I can talk to Olivia about it. Okay. <laughs> So third part of that question, what's the greatest joy in your life right now? Uh, I think that's an easy one. That's my son.
1: Yeah. Um, Parenting is a wonderful and unexpected journey. And it's been just a joy that I don't think I, and I kind of hate it because it's the cliche that I would always annoy me before I ever became a parent, which is you'll never know until you're a parent, right? It's the kind of joy that you just don't know until you become one. And I would always be like, yeah, right. Like there's lots of joys in life um turns out they were right you know this is a a very specific type of joy (laughs) one one that i've not experienced before so it's yeah yeah he would be my greatest joy
0: sweet i read a few years ago that you don't know joy or fear or love until you become a parent i mean you know of those things but you don't know it on the same level that you do once you have a child.
1: I think that's probably right.
0: Yeah. So here's a question for you. Um, if you weren't a lawyer, what career path might you have chosen? Or what is your plan B if one day you decide not to be a lawyer, one or the other?
1: Yeah, this is this is a really good question. So, okay, one is completely hypothetical because I don't possess any of the skills that would actually be required. Um, but I would love to, I would like in an ideal world, I would have, I would possess like carpentry skills. Like I would do something with my hands and be able to create. Um, and I thought, okay, well that means maybe I would want to be an artist. I have no artistic ability whatsoever, but I don't think it's, I even want to just be an artist. I think like, like, like building furniture, you know, like building like practical things with my hands, getting that level of satisfaction. I just seem so satisfying. I wish I had those skills, and I just absolutely don't. Um, in my previous pre-law life, I worked uh, in government, and I have a writing background. So I kind of always thought that I would either do something like policy work or uh, maybe even journalism uh, of some kind. That'll probably that would be like a more realistic. Uh, goal I would say (laughs) than carpentry at this point although I
0: stick I gotta stick with my first answer and I think you got lots of time to reinvent yourself and um if you choose to and carpentry skills are not impossible to learn you know you're you you could figure that out you're smart (laughs) you could do it (laughs) I think that's a great answer what is your top strategy for happiness in life
1: that's a good good question too I I got to say I think for me it's balance right it's it's not letting um any one part of me become the whole part of me and so I think balance between being a mother and a lawyer and a wife and a friend and a daughter and you know whatever other identity that um that takes shape in my life and so it's balance I, I I feel like I need you know that diversity in my life. I need to access different parts of me, and um, I get something different from different parts of my life, and and that's really the key for me. I I it was very you know early career as a lawyer. I think in any profession, um, my experience is lawyering, so that's my framework. But it's it's very challenging because it becomes your whole life, and I think burnout is of course real. Uh, but I think the bigger thing that's real is that when when that becomes your full identity and your only identity it's hard to navigate other parts of life and it's hard to like you know get um things that you're supposed to get from other parts of life um and i think learning that earlier was helpful and certainly now uh that's that's one thing i i always say about parenting it's it's very grounding it's a very grounding thing and you have no choice but to remain balanced because you need to be able to be everything for your child. Uh, you know, and you can only do that if you're filling your own cup. So um, that's, that's, I think my strategy is staying ba- balanced.
0: Well said. And a big challenge, eternally, eternally, a big challenge to find some balance. But I'm, I'm glad you found something that works really well for you right now. Cause this is a busy you know, I'm on the whole other side of the spectrum. My kids are all raised and, you know, now there's grandchildren. But I, I remember this time in my life, I kept a diary at the time, our journal in bed at night. And so many nights I went to bed and I just started with, I feel like I am going to spin off the face of the earth. <laughs> You're just in such a busy time in your life, Sonia. And it doesn't stay forever. So good for you for searching for and finding the balance and the support in your family and your husband and your your kids, and it's not even f- any fun to talk to someone who's just totally invested in their work, is it? It's just like you can't even have a good conversation with someone who's so, uh, you know, one-sided like that. And you feel kind of, I'm bored of you already. So <laughs> it's nice that we're all well-rounded. I need some, <laughs> too. What advice, if you could, would you go back and offer your younger self something you wish you'd known a long time ago? Um,
1: it's okay not to know things You know, it's okay to uh, not have an answer to every part of life. (laughs) I think as type A people, um, particularly those of us who end up in this kind of profession, we have that sort of intrinsic quality that we need to be problem solvers. We need to have an answer to everything. We need to have a plan for everything. Uh, And that can be really stressful. And when you go off course, which is life, it's inherent to life to go off course, uh, it can be really disorienting for for people who think like that and I would definitely go back and tell my younger self like you're gonna find your way back you know just just sort of relax and enjoy the moment doesn't come back you know no life ever comes back and so that would be my advice
0: that's really good advice really good advice just enjoy the moment
1: enjoy the moment
0: what is it that people most often get wrong about you
1: I think people think that I'm an extrovert, and I'm not. Uh, I'm actually quite an introvert. And uh, I think being a bit bossy like I am, and, um, you know, opinionated like I am can often blur that a little bit, but, um, but I'm actually not an extrovert at all.
0: That's kind of interesting. I would bet you're the fifth or sixth lawyer that's given me some version, or guest that's given me some version of that answer. <laughs> so one last question for you. Who has had an important influence on your life, real or otherwise, and how did they influence you?
1: For me, that's a very easy one. It's my mother. I, My mom is um, one of the most grounded and uh, just wise people I've I think I've ever met she's so good at um keeping focus and having perspective and her involvement guidance strategic (laughs) guidance in my life is you just can't replicate that I mean she's just been so um you know stay the course and and you know really really helpful in understanding that philosophy of life. Um so I would say my mom, she's she's one of a kind. I know everyone feels that way about their mom. I think, I hope. Uh but that's kind of the point of, of moms, I think. <laughs> I hope one day my son will say the same uh about me. But it's yeah, it's definitely definitely my mom.
0: That's a good answer. I definitely would say my mom too in some respects. We're lucky to feel that way. Yeah, we're lucky to feel that way. And I think for me, as much as the guiding light, it's the unconditional love because I feel like I can be just such a mess and land on her doorstep and I'll be fixed with a little bit of food and a hug and some tears and some counsel. And I'm just a better person and I can go back and get back up my life and I'll be better.
1: Yeah, I hear you. I feel very
0: similar. Well, those are all the questions I have for you. But again, I feel like we could talk a lot more. I'd like to know a lot more about you. But thank you so much again, Sonia, for the generous sharing of your time, your wisdom. It has been such a pleasure. And I am glad to get to know you a little bit better.
1: Me too, Chris. It's very likewise. And uh, I appreciate everything that you've done in the last few segments of this podcast. And particularly, you know, this podcast in general, it's, it's a wonderful initiative and we tune in you know we actually this is one of the few ones that are is like completely relevant to what i do and but still makes me feel interested in learning new things and you know it's it's just such an important space and uh i thank you for for being
0: the leader of it i'm glad that it fits a space in your life because it's sure been fascinating for me to do and i've enjoyed it
1: it's great you're doing a great job
0: great well, listen, if you haven't listened to the other podcast by Sonia, which is part three of the four-part series on trauma-informed lawyering, go back and have a listen. It's brilliant and insightful, and she is so articulate, and there'll be something to teach everyone in there. So please go back and listen and tell all your friends. And thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed, please like and subscribe. Leave us a review, and don't forget that many jurisdictions, nurses, doctors, and lawyers can claim continuing a credit for listening. We're available on all the usual platforms and we have the Inside Medical Malpractice YouTube channel if you want to watch on video and be sure to tune in next month as we wrap up this series on trauma-informed lawyering and we continue to learn, we're going to hear the patient side of the story, which is going to be, I think, the most important part of the story. So goodbye and take care.